Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day as we kick off a new week. And Merry Christmas to all of you. Well, last week was a busy week. This should be another busy week as well as Congress tries to get as much done as they can before their holiday break. That should probably mean a vote, they're saying, maybe Thursday on USMCA and see what else they can get done with the spending bill and things like that. We'll be talking about that a lot this week. We have a lot to react to with USMCA, China, uh, the uh, Ag Labor Reform Bill, lots of things to talk about. We'll be talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation today. We'll talk with Jim Baer, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association as well. And, of course, we have plenty of weather to talk about with the uh, the snow that uh, moved across uh, much of the country uh, this weekend. And uh, what do we have in store for us this coming week? We'll talk with Bryce Anderson, DTM meteorologist, in just a bit. But, of course, everyone's still trying to figure out just what do we have or not have yet, looking for details on a Phase 1 deal with China. Joining us now to talk about it is Joe Glober, former USDA chief economist, now senior research fellow for the International Food Policy Institute. Joe, thank you for joining us. Uh, big announcement, but uh, we're still kind of waiting on details, aren't we? Yeah, uh, but... But big announcement. You're right. I mean, I, I let's hope this gets gets us back on track on in terms of ag trade. Um, yeah, but it, it's trying to sort through it and kind of figure out. Well, where is that sixteen billion dollars going to come from? Um, that has a lot of us scratching our heads, I guess. But uh, uh, again, I think anything getting us back to where we were and hopefully building on that uh, will be a good thing. And then there will be all the questions of um, enforcement. Will China live up to what they say they're going to do? You know, history tells us to be a little skeptical of that. But not trying to pour cold water on it. Just we have to be realistic about it moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that, that, so, you know, when I first heard of that this was going to uh, increase trade to 40 to $50 billion, I mean, you have to say first, where, where's that going to come from? And soybeans clearly has been our big, um, you know, product that we've been moving to China. About uh, more than half of our exports uh, over the last few years have been, well, prior to the trade war, at least, uh, have been, uh, you know, soybeans. But, you know, we're China's facing uh, the swine flu uh, epidemic. They're they've uh, culling hogs and and. I think people think it's going to be a, a, a few years before they they really bounce back. I think they, I think they may bounce back quicker than people think. But still, that that's it's not quite the market it was three years ago. And you know, we're going to face a lot of competition from Brazil for for those beans. And so, you know, how much more exports are we going to be shipping to them than what we were doing, say, in 2017? I just I don't think that that we can expect that half of that increase to get us to forty billion is going to come from soybeans. Um, so then you have to start looking at the other commodities, and and China has has said, well, they're they're willing to, um, uh, you know, they're pointing to some of the the 
uh, tariff rate quotas they have for corn and, and wheat and rice and suggest that, that we could be helping fill some of those quotas. Those have been the quotas that have been under a lot of scrutiny, though. Uh, those were the ones that we took them to the WTO on in terms of their uh, failure to fill the quotas in the past. So, uh, again, let, let's hope this actually translates into real trade. Uh, but, but even with that, I think we're... we're um, we're still looking around for well, what are the commodities that are going to get us to that that um, forty billion, fifty billion dollar mark? Perhaps ethanol could be a big part of that. Ethanol. I, the other thing they've mentioned are, are processed products. So, uh, you know, uh, things like baby formula, other sorts of things that are, are you know they're important trade items. But the, but I got to tell you, the farm value of that is pretty small. So uh, ethanol would be a big one. Um, certainly. With the swine fever, they need meat, um, and and so shipping more pork to them would be an important uh, uh, for our industry. Um, uh, poultry, beef, any of those things, uh, more dairy. I mean, there, there's a lot of items that we could be shipping them. Um, but again, trying to get all that up to forty to fifty billion dollars without a lot more soybeans in that mix uh, I, is, is going to be a bit of a challenge. But again, Mike, I mean, you know, uh, my my main issue is well, the the overall number may be a little inflated, but but I think it's very positive we can get back to a normal trading relationship with them. That's good news indeed. We're talking with Joe Glauber, Senior Research Fellow with the International Food Policy Institute. All right, Joe, it looks like the House will vote on USMCA this week, the Senate next month. Um, you know, some people say, hey, this isn't much different than NAFTA. Others point to some improvements uh, for agriculture, like in dairy, perhaps in poultry. What's your overall sense? It seems like, if nothing else, it gives us certainty moving forward. Yeah, I and I and I that's where I would come down to. I look, I I don't think there's a lot here that wasn't certainly wasn't in TPP. Uh, so there is a little more dairy. Uh, the poultry there there may be a little more poultry there. The uh um uh but but the big thing is it's it's you know, remember we went into the that first year of the administration with with the president saying that we should pull out of NAFTA, and, and that would be a disaster. So I think to the degree that this moves us on beyond that, and, and uh, um, uh, again, it's a little like China, I think, to, in my view, that, that, you know, putting NAFTA behind us and, and letting us move on uh, uh, is a good thing. So, um, uh, yeah, I hope we get a vote on that in the House and, and move on to the Senate, and then um, and again, hopefully, see some something, some improvement in the trade war with China. We include the Japan deal, and we certainly on a, on the trade front, we're ending 2019 much better than we started it. Yeah, no, that's that's right, and and I think that that it's all good news in, in that regard. Um, uh, we we there's still a lot of. I mean, remember, we got into the trade war with China, not over agriculture. I mean, yes, we we, we had issues like approvals of GMOs and 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 improvements in that whole process. But the the bigger issues that have loomed out there on business practices and intellectual property protection and other things are still very much uh, uh, issues. And so uh, we'll, we'll see how all that. Uh, those negotiations and so-called phase two go. 
Yep, and we'll see about MFP payments and things like that. Still a lot of questions when we head into the new year, but at least uh, some positives here at the end of this year. Joe, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you, and Merry Christmas yeah, to you. Yeah, you bet, Mike. Same to you. Bye. Take care. Joe Glauber, former USDA chief economist, now senior research fellow for the International Food Policy Institute. Well, plenty of weather to talk about with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. He'll join us next. Are we done with the snow for a while? What's coming up this week ahead and the rest of this month? We'll talk with Bryce next on AOA. Stay with us. The patented pod shatter reduction technology canola hybrids from Invigor are the perfect blend of strength and durability. Stronger pod seams and stems protect the canola seeds within while protecting you from potential yield loss. And that gives you added flexibility at harvest, even when dealing with adverse weather conditions. Shattering yield records, not pods. That's smart. Contact your local BASF seed advisor today. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We talk it over each week with uh, DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Saw him last week at the DTN Ag Summit in Chicago. Bryce, uh, good to see you there and talk with a lot of farmers from around the country. It was a good meeting. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Mike. It was uh, good to have you there. And, uh, Looked like you stayed uh, very busy during the time that you were there, and I'm not surprised because uh, we do have a high-energy group at uh, that meeting. And so um, if they have uh, some opinions, uh, they are very willing to share them, and they do a good job with that. And they certainly wanted your thoughts on the weather. Let's uh, talk, first of all, about this system that has moved through here this uh, this weekend, uh, dropping snow on uh, several states. Uh, is that done now, or, or what can we expect this week ahead? Well, it's not. The, the, uh, the storm package that we've got going on uh, from the south-central plains into the southern Midwest, Missouri Boot Hill, Ohio Valley, is not completely over with yet. Uh, we're going to uh, still have uh, some snow during the day today and then on into uh, the overnight hours tonight into Tuesday, especially from about St. Louis on east. And um, we're going to see possibly uh, some locally heavy snow of more than six inches uh, with this uh, round of precip. So that is going to be a, a real problem uh, for, uh, for safety, uh, for transportation, uh, it's also going to uh, curtail field work, and I know that there are some growers in the eastern Corn Belt who have been out in the field uh, because of uh, some better conditions over the past week. So that's going to pretty well be shut down. Uh, the the storm uh, system and uh, the rain and snow, mostly rain, is going to kind of migrate uh, over to the southeastern part of the country, the Gulf Coast, through the Atlantic seaboard over the next couple of days. We will still see snow in the Ohio Valley, maybe even into the uh, northern Delta on Tuesday, but then uh, things will pretty much focus over the southeast and uh, the uh, Carolina coast uh, with rainfall uh, during midweek. And uh, to be honest, the interior of the country is turning quite dry after that. Uh, it's hard to find a whole lot of uh, return moisture in the forecast all the way through the Christmas holiday. 
the southeast had some very severe weather. Is that over? I don't think it's it's uh, over completely uh, because uh, there's there's a pretty energetic uh, boundary that we've got going on between uh, troughing over the interior of the country and then through the southwest and then uh, some very warm upper air ridging over the Gulf Coast. So I don't think it's done yet. And in fact, uh, there could be heavy enough rain that in parts of Tennessee, West Virginia, Kentucky. Uh, there could be uh, enough heavy rain to even bring some flash flood threat. Uh, so there's a, a lot of moisture that uh, we're seeing uh, at play, you know, with this uh, round of weather that we've got in uh, those areas. What did you hear from producers last week uh, at the Ag Summit uh, about those that still have harvest to do, uh, what their outlook is and being able to get that done? The... Um, the thought is is that uh, in in a lot of the far northern corn belt in uh, in areas that especially got hit with the with the real heavy snow back in October and then kind of had follow up around Thanksgiving uh, that uh, those uh, fields might be done all the way into the end of the winter you know uh, that there won't be any effort uh, possible uh, to get that corn out before we get into early March. Um, And uh, that especially uh, takes in North Dakota, northern Minnesota, northeastern South Dakota, uh, Wisconsin, uh, into parts of Michigan. But um, for a a lot of other folks, they were still trying it. And I think that uh, this this drier pattern that we have is going to allow uh, for uh, some of those areas that didn't have the heaviest snow cover to actually... Uh, be able to um, do some late finishing and and get the grain out of the field. I know that uh, if if there's just not uh, a, a complete problem, I think that producers would rather uh, go ahead and and uh, not have to worry about that crop standing out in the field for the you know for the next couple three months if they can avoid it. And so I think that that's going to play into uh, producers' thinking. But um, by and large. Uh, everybody who I talked to in Chicago last week had one comment about this uh, particular year, 2019, and that is that they're uh, really glad to see it over with and uh, see it in the rearview mirror because everybody had some kind of a problem this past year. One for the record books, and it's kind of a, a page we hope we don't have to go back to, but it'll be one we'll, uh, we'll reference quite often moving forward, won't we? Oh, I think so, uh, because, uh, you know, we set so many benchmarks this year on uh, precipitation, on uh, planting delays, on obviously, unfortunately, prevented planted acreage, and uh, now with uh, the kind of harvest uh, scenario, we revisited uh, a problem with late harvest that we had 10 years ago, and um, so that's, uh, you know, that's going to be fresh in everybody's mind for quite uh, a few seasons uh, from here on. And uh, there, were, there were a lot of things that uh, came into play weather-wise this past year that, like I say, hit everyone. A year ago, I, I talked with a, a good friend uh, from, uh, from Nebraska who said that, uh, that 2018 was a very good year. And I talked to this same uh, producer uh, this past week. 
and uh, was told, you know, 2019, I'm just ready for it to be over. He said it was it was a uh, a problem from start to finish. And uh, you know, this producer, like many, is uh, very capable and and uh, you know knows how to take care of business. But uh, like I say, there wasn't anybody who uh, is uh, is is wishing that they could have another year of 2019. I don't think that that's that's in the cards at all, except in some parallel reality, you know. Mm-hmm. That being said, there are parts when I, I look downstate Illinois and some other areas where there's been. Uh, a lot of field work done this this fall, and hydrus on. I've seen a lot of activity that uh, didn't get done in a lot of places last year. So in some cases, some farmers a little better shape going into next year than they were coming into this year. No doubt, no doubt, and and uh, you know that's a very good point, and uh, I think it it uh, is certainly going to be kept in mind as we uh, get out of you know just kind of analyzing and uh, you know hashing through what went on this past year. Look ahead more to 2020. Um, there is, uh, I think, more of a a real variance in fortunes to finish out this season uh, from uh, east to west. And over that uh, that uh, south central southeastern uh, corn belt, um, you know there there was a a um, a little bit of a benefit uh, with the uh, with the drier trend that we saw in uh, the latter part of the summer, and then uh, some uh, late uh, late uh, fall or late season precip that brought crops along, and then it got drier. So there's uh, been a, a a better situation to get ready for this coming season than uh, we had a year ago. There's no doubt about that. Whereas in the Western Belt, there still are a lot of questions about how everything is going to get all put together for this coming year. Yeah, very certainly variable uh, word that we used a lot this year and will continue to use on the weather. All right, what about uh, South America? What's going on there? Well, Brazil pretty much has a status quo scenario because the uh, central part of the country, uh, Mato Grosso, Goiás, uh, Mato Grosso do Sul, and uh, and, uh, Paraná, they're getting rainfall, and they have more rain on the way this week, good soil moisture and everything. Uh, The northeast part of the country is on the dry side, and they're not getting very much at all. They're just kind of stuck under a big high-pressure ridge in that part of the country. country in Brazil. Southern Brazil, Rio Grande do Sul, has a little bit of uh, moisture this week. Overall, they're looking pretty favorable on soil moisture. Argentina, if I can go ahead and run south, uh, the the uh, northern half of the country has good precip. There were a few showers in the southern part over the weekend. There may be some more this week, and it's that southern half of Argentina, specifically uh, the state of Buenos Aires, that are going to get uh, a lot of attention because uh, they have uh, been running a little bit uh, shorter when it comes to rainfall during this growing season than the northern half of uh, the Argentina crop belt. All right, Bryce, thanks. Always good to talk with you. We'll uh, stay yes, in touch. Uh, so. you, you, yeah, sounds great, Mike, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up next week. We'll talk again next week. Have that Christmas forecast and uh, look uh, get your outlook going into the new year. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. All right, up next with USMCA on the fast track now, hopefully to get finished, and the prospects of a China deal. What does all that mean for 
Meat Exports. We'll talk with the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan Hallstrom joins us next. You're listening to AOA. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Poncho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Lots of positive trade news here at the end of the year. As I mentioned earlier, we're certainly on the trade front ending 2019 better than we started it. Let's talk about that with Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, I know you've uh, you've achieved some impressive meat export numbers this year given the circumstances, given the headwinds that you've had to deal with. But the the developments here at the end of the year have to make you really optimistic going into uh, rather 2020. Uh, without a doubt, Mike, uh, we're, we're very uh, optimistic, excited. Uh, we have some tailwinds for a, for a change, which is a great, great position to be in. But uh, if you look at uh, the Japan agreement that was announced earlier, and then, of course, the, the current uh, focus of talk, China and USMCA, uh, yeah, things are definitely looking uh, positive heading into 2020. Let's talk about USMCA. It's been described as, you know, some improve for agriculture, some improvements in some areas like dairy and, and prep poultry, but more so overall, it's about certainty to keep what we had. How do you view uh, USMCA? Well, Mike, you're exactly right. It's uh, the, the NAFTA as it was in relation to beef, pork, and lamb um, was good. I mean, it worked. Um, but you're right. Um, we we have to create an environment of stability and uh, certainty going forward, and and uh, that's exactly what uh, the USMCA will do, assuring zero duties uh, on all those products into both Mexico and Canada. And keep in mind, you look at. Uh, Mexico, uh, number two market value-wise for pork, number three market for beef, and number one market for lamb. You look at Canada, um, number four market for pork, number five market for beef, and number three market for lamb. They account for about almost just under $4 billion in sales on the export side. So very, very, very important destinations for our products. And, and like you said, uh, uh, USMCA getting it passed and implemented will put some certainty into the supply chain uh, as us being suppliers to both of those markets. Yeah, I, not oversimplifying it, but it's. I think it's fair to say um, it was almost more about avoiding what we could have lost, rather, even more important than what we may have gained in the New Deal. Exactly right. Yes, uh, like I said, from our viewpoint, NAFTA did work, but we're, we're the first to admit there's a lot of aspects uh, of the NAFTA agreement that needed to be updated, and, and it sounds like they were on a lot of fronts. So that's great. But we did. We we assured our place here in terms of the stability of our products. And one other thing that's worth mentioning: the importance of. Uh, 
of Canada and Mexico on a product mix standpoint can't be over uh, simplified either. I mean, Asian products on both the beef and the pork side, uh, you know, are quite a bit different from the, uh, the product mix going into Canada and Mexico. And I'll give you one a quick example. Uh, the round, the, the hindquarter on beef and, and the ham on pork, these are not items that generally go to Asia so much, but there's a lot of demand in Canada and Mexico. So, so from a product mix standpoint, that's another reason this, uh, this agreement is so important. We're talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. All right, Dan, um, what does getting a, at least a Phase 1 deal with China uh, completed and wrapped up, what does that mean for U.S. meat exports, you think? Well, I think uh, this is more positive news, without a doubt. I think we've all heard over the last several months all the talk about what's going on, especially on the pork side in China with uh, African swine fever. Uh, you know, they, they've had considerable liquidation, and and, uh, and, and you're looking at a very uh, uh, short supply scenario going into 2020. So that lines up well with uh, talk of this Phase 1 deal. And, uh, you know, there's some big numbers being thrown around, but I'll tell you, we're, we're more focused on the details of, the, of whatever the agreement is in terms of, uh, number one, can we get some of the tariffs reduced, which we're hopeful will happen. And the other thing is uh, some of these non-tariff trade issues, uh, some of these barriers. Uh, I'll give you one example. On the beef side, we have to pr- uh, produce non-hormone-treated beef. And if there was any uh, relief on some of these tariff, non-tariff trade issues, uh, you know, the, that this could be big as well as far as the uh, number of or, or the percentage of our production that would qualify to go to uh, China. So, so there's a... A lot of interesting things going on, and, and when we see the details, they're, they're saying we'll see all the details in January. Uh, when we see those details, we'll have a much better picture of exactly what that'll look like, but positive overall. And then when we look at uh, recent developments with the European Union, there's renewed hope or optimism that we could work out some kind of a deal with them. That I've, I've always said that's that may be the heaviest lift of all, given all the baggage and uh, the history we have to deal with there and their reluctance to really open up on some key issues, especially when it comes to U.S. meat. But are, are you more optimistic on the EU front going into the new year? Well, I think, uh, I think we're optimistic on the EU as well, and, and there's really two things going on there. We've got the... Uh, the EU beef agreement, which goes back to August when that was announced, and uh, um, still looks like it's on track to be implemented January 1, which will give the the U.S. duty-free access our own quota that's zero duty. Uh, today we share the quota with other importing countries. So, so th- this is uh, this is good in terms of uh, of uh, you know additional uh, unfettered access into the European Union. We know the demands there. The problem has been being able to supply chilled beef, our high quality chilled beef, uh, 52 weeks of the year. Uh, th- this new quota will take care of that, and, and we will basically have 52 uh, week a year access. So this is a good thing. The other thing that's going on, of course, is the whole Brexit uh, scenario and. Uh, you know, we're, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, a, a separate trade agreement, uh, which will take some time, but a trade agreement with the U.K. might be possible as well, uh, which may have some uh, different, uh, could potentially have different requirements than what the E.U. has. So these are all things that are very positive in nature, and uh, 
And yes, to your earlier point, uh, we're, we're excited. The stars seem to be aligning very well for meat exports in 2020. Without a doubt. And I think the real key for your listeners is that we produce some of the highest quality, safest beef in the world and, uh, and pork in the world. And, uh, and, and the world is short. So this is an opportunity uh, uh, that, that we're well positioned to take advantage of as we head into 2020. Are there some other markets we should watch closely in 2020? Well, yeah, the, the, over time, um, you know, especially with these headwinds the last two years, we've, the industry, um, uh, and we've, we've been part of this as well, working with the industry to develop some of these uh, smaller emerging regions. And uh, you look at uh, Central America, uh, places like Guatemala, Honduras, Panama. You look at South America, places like Colombia, Chile, and Peru. And even Africa, where we're starting to see more and more beef, in particular variety meats, and some muscle cuts go into places like, like Ghana and South Africa. You know, they're all small if you look at them individually, but you add them up as a group, and uh, there's some significant volume going to these markets. So, yes, I think we need to keep our eye on some of these emerging regions as well. I mentioned this earlier, but given all those headwinds you faced this year, 2019 all things considered, was a pretty good year. Without a doubt. Um, we're going to have a new record on, on beef and, and pork, which is hard to believe, but uh, we will. Um, but, you know, the reality is that, uh, you know, 2020 could even be better and, uh, and, and more, I would say, of a more uh, well-rounded demand base. Um, of course, on the pork side, China will be, China-Hong Kong region will be big, but we're seeing growth in some of the other areas as well. So yes, we're in a we're in a very good position uh, where we're not dependent on just a few markets. We we have a pretty good uh, uh, you know base of uh, call it ten to fifteen major markets that are now taking our products, which is always a good position to be in. Yeah, you never want to go through what we went through this year or face the headwinds you faced when it comes to trade. But not that you weren't already, but I think it even. Uh, uh, puts more emphasis on developing other markets, and certainly that's been done this year. Without a doubt. And, you know, it's, it's no different than your savings portfolio. You want to be diversified. Well, that's the same thing with uh, when you're looking at the world and where you want to sell your products to. The more diversified we can become, the more balanced we are, and, and you know, hopefully the less uh, uh, prone to uh, downturns in any one given market. So, yes, we're, we're happy about the fact that we have uh, some new new regions coming on. And, of course, this is a ripple effect. If you increase meat exports and meat demand continues to grow, meat trade continues to grow, uh, that creates uh, the demand uh, you know, for more production in the U.S., which creates the demand for feed. Has that ripple effect? It sure does, yeah. You're not, you bring up a great point there, Mike. We're not, we're not just talking about beef, pork, and lamb. We're talking about soybeans. We're talking about corn. Uh, it has an impact all the way through the supply chain and and, uh, and and we're we're happy to be a very very small part of it. This is this is uh, a lot more fun when you have a little bit of things, a few things going your direction for a change. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why you hear corn growers and soybean growers often say their number one market still the livestock market, the livestock industry, and this is a, a more proof of that. Well, Dan, uh, it's been it's been an interesting year, that's for sure. But uh, in a year that seems like it's had its more than its share of negatives, there have been some real positives too, and it's good to see the year ending up on a more positive note. As always, uh, thank you for joining us and uh, bringing us up to date on the work to develop these markets for U.S. meat products around the world. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stay with us. More to come here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we have lots to discuss with Jim Baer, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. Jim, thank you for joining us. I know you were happy with the passage in the House of the the Ag Labor Reform Bill. Yeah, it's great to be with you, Mike. That was a great first step for all labor-intensive agriculture. I know you've got a lot of listeners that are involved in confined animal operations, dairies, and so forth. Uh, and they, just like specialty crops, fruit and vegetable production, have a huge need for for labor. And it's hard to find people that want to work that hard. So it was a great thing to see Congress put aside its political differences for a day and, and pass something that's so important to agriculture. But there is opposition, some calling it amnesty. It uh, faces a, a tough battle in the Senate. What do you see happening there? Well, let's talk about uh, what it is and what it isn't. And uh, I would say what, it's, what the bill is not is, is amnesty. For those ag workers, whether they be in con- uh, confined animal feeding operations, dairies, fruit and vegetable production, uh, for those ag workers that are here illegally currently, they'd have to pay a significant fine to get right with the law, and then they would have to commit to continue working in ag from four to eight years uh, beyond what they've been here so far. And we see that in the Senate, uh, there are already a couple of uh, people that are ready to step forward and introduce a, a, a companion bill. It won't be the same as the House bill. We think it'll be a little bit friendlier to agriculture, uh, to be honest. But the fact that in this superheated political environment that uh, a bipartisan group of Republicans and Democrats could come together and and pass a a bill through the House that would help agriculture in this way, I think it's just a bit of a miracle, to tell you the truth. So we'll see what happens on the Senate side. Meanwhile, you have to be encouraged with uh, the late developments on trade. We'll start with USMCA. Yeah, that's been a two and a half year 
the battle. And as you and I have discussed before, Mike, uh, I've been doing this a long time, and I've never seen agriculture come together in the way that it has over those uh, over those last two years to get USMCA across uh, the finish line. It was uh, it was important to keep that North American market open. And despite what some people would say about NAFTA, for agriculture, NAFTA was the worst, not not the worst deal in history. It was the best trade deal in history. In the case of apples, we quadrupled our exports to Mexico. We doubled our exports to Canada. And so we already had a full, wide open market in North America. A lot of investments had been made based on that growth, that business uh, model. And so keeping that market open was critical. So we're super excited that it appears that uh, it will come up for a vote in the House this this week yet, perhaps on Thursday they're, they're uh, talking now. That would be a great way to end 2019, would, would be to lock in those markets for agriculture. It would be a, a terrific Christmas present. And then with the prospects now looking better than ever on a new deal with China, you've told us before that's important to apple growers. It is, and uh, producers of many commodities in the U.S., including apples, we look at China as a huge growth market. We had worked for years, many years, to get that market open. We got it opened in uh, 2015, and uh, in 36 months it became our number six export market. And importantly, they were uh, the importers in China were buying our top quality varieties at premium prices, which is what everybody in the business wants is to sell your best product at the best price. Uh, So the retaliatory tariffs that China put on our product in response to our tariffs from the U.S., that really pumped the brakes. And that was disappointing because we were really looking forward to to, uh, growing that market. So hopefully we can get back into doing what U.S. agriculture does best, and that's take advantage of all of our natural efficiencies and all the modern uh, tools and economies of scale that we have and and get back in the business of supplying those markets with our best products. All of the problems of 2019 that we've dealt with have not certainly been solved all at once, or not they're not all gone away. But it sure feels like uh, a little more of a positive feel going into 2020 uh, after all that we have dealt with in 2019. It sure does, and I'm right there with you. I just think um, after two years of doom and gloom on trade and and trying to find workers to help us run our businesses and do the kind of tasks that most Americans don't want to do, uh, this is really a, a great time of year, leading right up to Christmas. And, gosh, we get our, uh, our labor bill through the Senate and signed by the president, and, we, and it's, a, it's a merit-based immigration bill, and we know that the president supports that. He's said that. In fact, the president uses uh, immigrant labor at his farm uh, in Virginia, not far from where I am sitting. And uh, we get that. We get USMCA ratified and get a new China agreement. Those would be three huge things for agriculture. So it's, you know, it's right in line with what most growers and farmers across the country are optimistic people by nature. You have to be to be in agriculture. And so we're optimistic about this. And what a great way to end the year. Well, Jim, always good to talk with you, and we'll keep track of this ag labor reform bill as it makes its way through the Senate, and we'll discuss that and other issues with you more in 2020. Look forward to it. Thank you. Merry Christmas, Mike.
You too, Jim Baer, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. So, yeah, some positives here at the end of the year. I mean, this it's been such a struggle here in 2019, and now to see some uh, positive steps on USMCA and China, um, you know, not everything's solved. And especially with the China deal, so many more details uh, yet to learn and questions to be answered and timing and enforcement. But uh, just, uh, you know, a spark here, a glimmer of hope uh, as we wrap up 2019 that uh, things will be better on the trade front anyway in 2020. We'll talk more about these issues coming up tomorrow as we get uh, more details, more market reaction. How will the markets react to all this as we continue to move through the end of this year and into 2020? And uh, we hope you'll join us right here for that discussion coming up tomorrow here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us and Merry Christmas, everyone.